are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Coffee with Kim. I invite you to journey with me to a new day. I believe God has led you to this moment and this place because He is about to bring purpose and potential to your story. So join thousands of women and men from around the globe who have discovered how powerful their stories become once Christ touches them with His purpose. Don't you long to make this same discovery? Then grab your coffee, scoot in, and join me as we let God's Word reveal how every part of your past has been preparing you for this very moment. The fiery furnaces of life may take many forms, don't they? Divorce, addiction, depression, sickness, and so much more. Today's guest knows about a fire that sadly, that sadly too many of us have had to walk through. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee, Conversations of Friends of Faith to Encourage and Equip. I'm Kim Crable, your host. Today's guest is Melissa Daniels. Her fiery furnace took the form of her younger daughter, Ava's leukemia. Today, Melissa joins us to tell us about Ava and their years of relapse, remissions, miracles, and heartbreak. Hey, Melissa, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Good morning, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's just an honor to share our story with your listeners. Well, I just, um, you know, I I will tell you, I've prayed a lot about this. My prayer has been that we can do this. You know, my prayer was, Melissa, that we could do this interview without causing you any pain. And then I realized that's impossible. I can't imagine a mom who has lost a child. I think that you always, um, I, I, don't, I don't think you can, you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I don't think the pain ever, go, ever goes away. I just think you find a way to use that story and extend the life of the one that, that God took back. Is that true? It is. I mean, um, yeah, the pain never goes away. And uh, it is something that I live with, but I also have the hope and the knowing of where my daughter is and that she is more alive today than she was here on this earth and that I will see her again. Mm, That is that. And that, that is the hope, and that's what we're going to talk about. So listeners, I know that you're already saying, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I can, if my heart can bear this. I will tell you, this next hour is going to be one of the most inspiring, inspirational, hope-filled podcasts that I would say, I would dare to say, it's in the top five that I've ever done. I've been doing this, I think, three three and a half years. So, so I am uh, anxiously walking through this story of Ava Daniels. Let me just start out with this, Melissa. So I'm in, I'm in right outside of Atlanta. Tell our listeners where you live. I'm located in Phoenix, Maryland, which is a suburb of Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Have you always lived there? No, no. I actually was born um, and raised in Ohio and then moved to Maryland. Okay. You know, I lived in Baltimore for a number of years, and I miss it. It's a beautiful place. I'll be back up soon, so I hope to see you then. But let me let me ask you this question. You know, you when, when we were doing our paperwork about the show, you said that you would like the title to be Another in the Fire. Um, can you explain why, why that title? 
Yeah, the the title I chose, Another in the Fire, really it was, I was reading the book of Daniel, and I was just mm-hmm. taken how um, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into that fiery furnace, and it had been heated up seven times hotter, and yeah. actually Nebuchadnezzar's, um, the, the men who threw them into the fire were, were burned up instantly. But when they looked into that fire, there was another one with them, and I chose yeah. it because over the ten and a half years that I walked this journey with Ava, um, there were times in life where I really questioned God, and I was angry mm-hmm. with Him, and I wondered where He was. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. I looked back where I could see how His hand was working the entire time, and that He had been with us even in those moments when I couldn't even feel Him or sense His presence. He was still there, right beside us the entire time. Mm, that, that's beautiful. And listeners, if if you didn't get that, that's in Daniel, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Go back and read that story because that is a basis of what Melissa talks about in the example she uses when she thinks about her journey. So, Melissa, let's just um, let's dive into this beautiful story of Ava. You know, what I'd like to do is I would like to go back to February, the month of February of 09. Let's go before February 9th. What was your family like? What was going on? Um, it was beautiful. It honestly seemed just like everything I had prayed for. I had two handsome um, little boys at home, and then the Lord blessed me with a little girl, and our family was complete. I worked part-time from home. I shuttled my boys around to their sporting events, and I ran after a very rambunctious toddler who was always getting into things. Um, so it was, it was just your ideal perfect life to be honest. It was everything I had prayed for. And so there you were, uh, and, and it was like the dream. And then, and then yes. what begins to happen? How do, you, how do you think that there's something wrong? What are the first warning um, signs? So Ava began to cry out in pain, and I would change her diaper, and I would notice when I would lift her legs, she would win. And I began to wonder if maybe she had Lyme disease. In Maryland, there's a lot of deer ticks. My son, Nathan, um, was diagnosed with Lyme disease and was in the hospital with it. And so I was very concerned that maybe she had Lyme disease because I knew it could affect the body. Um, and so I asked her doctor to run some blood work, and, um, and he did. And it came back with leukemia. Now, you said she was, you were changing her diapers, so she was at what age yeah. at that point? So she was um, almost two when it started, and she would cry out, Mom, my legs hurt mom, my hair hurts. And she could speak full sentences before the age of two. So she was very clear in telling me mm-hmm. that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. So, so the blood work comes back. Do they, do they bring you into the office to tell? Take us into that moment where the doctor tells you that your youngest daughter, Ava, has, has leukemia. So funny story. Um, Ava's pediatrician is also our next-door neighbor. And the weekend that just before we took her into his office, she had started running a fever. And I was concerned she had vomited some bile. So we took Ava over to his home on a Sunday. And he said, you know, bring her in. We'll do blood work tomorrow. We'll just run some tests. And I'm sure it's fine. Um, So we brought her in the following Monday. And he ran the tests. And then I went home. And I Google searched all of her symptoms. And leukemia came up and within an hour or two of the lab work being run 
I received a call from her pediatrician who said, Melissa, you need to take her to the hospital right now. We have a team of doctors waiting. And I, at that point, just said, is it leukemia? And he said, it looks like it. And um, it was, he was not only our neighbor, he was my daughter's pediatrician, and she ended up being the first child he ever diagnosed with leukemia, and he had been in practice for years. And so we didn't know what was coming. We didn't know to pack bags. We just kind of thought, okay, we're going to go talk to some doctors, and then we're going to come home, but that just wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's funny, my, my youngest son is a physician. He goes, Mom, don't Google. Don't Google. Don't, don't put in those <laughs> yeah. symptoms. He said, you will scare right. yourself to death. But, you know, we, we yeah. do that, and it was funny. It's amazing how God was preparing you, wasn't it? It's like, I'm a, it's like yeah. he was, had, was opening that door of a possibility, but I'm sure it didn't make it any easier. Uh, Melissa, you, you, you said um, that you were interested in letting people know where your walk was with God before your daughter's cancer diagnosis and then what, what began to happen, you know, as this diagnosis came into your, into your heart and family. Right. So I was raised in a Christian home and honestly, from a very young age, I loved Jesus. Um, Does Mm -hmm. not mean I always lived like I loved Jesus because there were many times in high school and college where I looked more, excuse me, more like the world than I did a a Christ Mm -hmm. follower. Um, But at this point in my life, I was in church. I was involved. My children were in church. And I was very much a Christ follower. Um, And so this was devastating to me. And even though Mm -hmm. I was a Christ follower, this shook me to my very core, to be honest, to be sitting down and having a team of doctors telling you that your daughter has cancer. telling you that it's the good cancer because it's curable and that it's a two and a half year treatment and that she's going to begin getting chemotherapy the very next day as she's getting prepped for surgery to have a port put into her chest. So mm. it's devastating. It's, it's crushing um, even as a believer. Well, let me ask you this, Melissa. Do you think sometimes it's even more crushing as a believer to get when bad things happen because Somewhere, and I, I know this is not a biblical truth, I, you know, I know that, but don't right. you think that somewhere in our minds we get this thought that, oh, okay, I'm attending Sunday school or I'm attending mass or I'm doing all the right, right things. So <laughs> there's this Teflon yep. coating around me that, that can't, nothing, none of this bad stuff can happen to me. So do, do you think that sometimes as believers that, that it's even more devastating for us? You know, it can be. Um, but my first thought was, you know, maybe God's punishing me because there were times mm, in my life yeah. where I walked away from him. And I basically said, you know, God, I'm tired of being a good girl. I'm going to go out and I'm going to just kind of do what I want to do. And, um, right. and so there was a part of me that also thought maybe like David in the Bible that, that I was just being yeah. punished for some of my sins. And so at her onset of diagnosis, I really pushed into God, and I just thought, you know, Lord, forgive me, because if this is what it takes to get my attention and my focus on you, forgive me that it takes my daughter being sick. And so I really mm-hmm. pressed in. Um, but when she relapsed, her first relapse, that was a really tough place for me, because at that point, I was angry. 
And I really Mm -hmm. questioned God. And I felt like he was allowing my daughter to suffer because of my past sins and that maybe I just wasn't a good enough Christian for him to Mm -hmm. heal her. And, um, and so Mm -hmm. I really struggled um, after shortly after her first relapse. Yeah. Well, let's, before we move on, let's address this because I, what you've just described is something that I believe is the first attack on the mind Mm -hmm. uh, from, from our very enemy, the devil himself is to make us feel as if God is, uh, condemning us or he is uh, pronouncing his judgment on us uh, did you find that God wasn't uh, angry with you did you find that what what was the truth that you found in this for those who are listening um, so the truth happened actually with my father and my my middle child Riley uh, my dad was driving us to my son's baseball tournament in Frederick and my husband was watching Ava. She had had chemo, and she was just too sick to come with me to the baseball tournament. And as my dad was driving, he asked me a question, and he just said, you know, how are you? And I said the standard answer everyone says, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And then he said to me, how are you really? And I just broke down in tears, and I said, Dad, I'm angry. I am really, really angry. I'm Mm -hmm. mad at God. I don't know if I'm a Christian anymore. I don't know what I believe, and I'm not sure I believe that he is a good God. And my mm-hmm. father in that moment, he could have, you know, not condemned me, but he could have been disappointed in me, and he wasn't. My dad loved me mm-hmm. through it, and he just spoke words of love over me, that the Lord loved me. And as he spoke, I literally buried my head in my hands, and I began to sob. And as he was driving, I looked up. And honestly, it was like the Lord reached out from heaven. And in that moment, there was a white dove flying beside my car window. And I just felt like the Lord was showing me that I'm here, that even in your unbelief, Mm. even in your anger, even in your hurt, even if you're questioning your faith, I'm here and I love you and I'm right beside you. And that moment actually was a turning point. Wow. It was a turning point in my life beautiful story what a beautiful story and um i just feel that that is just penetrating into people's hearts right now to understand because god doesn't he's he's not the condemner he's a comforter he's not the one who came to punish he came to heal and so i just want thank you so much for for that story oh my goodness okay so let's uh, continue with Ava's story. So, so you're at the hospital. They're prepping her for surgery. The doctor has said that this is the good kind of leukemia. So that probably mm-hmm. gave you a little bit of hope. So take us yeah. from there. What, tell us what, what, how did you prepare Ava for this? What was going on now? We didn't. Honestly, I don't even know if I knew how to prepare Ava because I didn't know what I was walking into. Well, Right. There's there's no preparation. There's no handbook. There's nothing saying yeah. what you need to do. I was broken. I cried. I thought more tears than I thought possible, um, you know, and I just, I was numb. I was just going through the motions trying to comfort my little girl who didn't understand and who had right. never been in a hospital setting. And now all of a sudden people are poking her and they're prodding and they're taking blood and she's crying and I'm holding her down and trying to tell her it's okay when none of it 
feels okay. Right. Absolutely. So, okay, we'll continue on. You talk about, don't tell us what happened. Uh, what, what was your f- first sign of hope in this uh, as you are just beginning this, this journey? What, what, what were your signs of hope? Well, it was the original diagnosis. Um, the doctors uh-huh. just seemed very upbeat. You know, they explained that it was a two-and-a-half-year journey with treatment and that it had a very high cure rate and that most of the treatment would be outpatient. And so basically we would be able to continue on with our lives um, with a supposed minor setback, if you can call cancer a minor setback. Um, right. And, and that was my hope. I took those words and I thought, okay, God's with us and he's got my little girl and we got two and a half years ahead of us. We can do this. And mm-hmm. so you kind of, you know, as a mom, you're, you put on a brave face in front of your kids. You don't want them to see that you're terrified inside. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, yeah. Absolutely. So did the treatment start to work? No. So <laughs> her first 30 days, we received devastating news that she was not a fast responder, meaning her body, um, she had more leukemia still present after the 30 days of initial treatment than they liked to see. And she was uh-huh. not in remission. Well, she was in remission, but she still had more cancer cells than, than she should have. And so because of that, she was placed on a um, more intense arm of treatment. And that was mm-hmm. devastating. That was devastating mm-hmm. to know that now she was at a higher risk for a possible relapse. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what was this doing to Ava's body, these treatments? Uh, she was on high-dose steroids. And um, uh-huh. my little girl, who was just a beautiful little girl, had ballooned up in weight to the point where we went. We would take her into stores and I would put her in the stroller and try and put the um, – the top down so people couldn't see at her because people would just stare and gawk at this little bloated girl holding a box of cheeses because the steroids made her want to eat nonstop. And um, it got to the point where people stared so much that I had business cards made with a picture of her before cancer and then a link to her website so that people could understand I wasn't a bad parent overfeeding my child, but that she was struggling through cancer. Oh my gosh! What a what an incredible way to uh, educate those people around you to to let them see. Wow, that was a ministry within itself, Melissa. But but let's move on. Okay, now so what happens? Sure. You get to the point to where uh, a bone marrow transplant is needed. Well, so she had relapsed um, before our bone marrow transplant was needed. That's when she had relapsed, and that's where I was found in that really angry, ugly pit of despair. Um, But the Lord pulled me through, and she went through um, a two-year protocol with radiation to her brain. And and I knew, I just knew that I knew that something was off. And I actually had my pastor and his wife, uh, she had one more spinal tap that she was ready for before she was supposed to have completed treatment. And I remember in church asking my pastor and his wife to anoint her with oil, and we all laid hands and we prayed on her. Um, we prayed over her, and um, that bone marrow aspirate came back that there was cancer again in her brain and in her central nervous system. So at that point, 
we had no other option but to move forward with a, a, a bone marrow transplant. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like was that was in January 2013, it looks like, or something like that. Yeah. So, so it, yeah. did that, so that, is that what caused her to be healthy and strong for almost two years? It did. It, it gave us some beautiful time. Um, Ava was, I mean, she went through the transplant and that was tough, but God was with us every step of the way. And um, he was actually really working even in the hospital as people I didn't even know who were of other faiths would come to my room and they would ask me to pray for their child and my family to pray for their child. So it was almost like the Holy Spirit was just working through our family and other families who were of other faiths and from other countries would just show up at my door or would stop me in the hall and, and they wouldn't be able to speak a lot of English, but they would say, please pray, please pray. Mm. And, Mm. um, and it was, so the transplant, Ava was healthy and strong and vibrant. And I was very hopeful, even though I knew bone marrow transplants weren't typically used to treat um, central nervous system leukemia. I was Mm -hmm. believing that, hey, God is bigger, and with God, all things are possible. It says it in the Bible, and so I was standing on that, and then uh, Ava relapsed a third time. So after two years, so, you know, and and I can see when I, when you're telling your story, Melissa, it's incredible sharing Ava with us, I I can see, um, I can imagine listeners who are uh, listening today, and they're they're thinking about custody battles. They're thinking about yeah. um, fighting, you know, helping their kids fight different addictions. Or, you know, you can just see whatever that, that fire is that we began to show it. That you, 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 they, they are putting themselves in your place of, oh, yes, I got a bit of good news and then devastate again. A little bit of good news yeah. and devastate again. What was your, what, was there a scripture? What was it? that you would say to yourself before you finally just went under into total blackness, you know, and I'm sure that was probably something that you thought. It's like, if I, if I let go, I'm going to go into a darkness that I'm never going to see the light again. What, what scripture or how did you utilize God's word to keep you strong enough to, to keep, keep hope alive when there seemed to be no hope? So one of the very first scriptures um, that I really used for my daughter was from the book of Jeremiah, and it's Jeremiah 29:11. And the um, New International Version just reads, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future." And I really just I clung to that verse that the Lord knew all of this would happen. None of this came as a surprise to him, but that he still had an incredible plan for my daughter's life and that this was not, you know, every time we suffered a setback, it was not the end of her story. Right. And so for those who are listening, they can hold on to that same. It's like you may, you may be in a ditch now. You may be in a pit now. You know, they may have relapsed again. They're, you may have to be going back to rehab one more time. You may be having right. to fight this battle of depression one more time. You know, the custody battle is keep going. But, but you're saying you just, you just kept fighting. There was no option for you, was it, Melissa, except just to keep fighting. No, there's no option. And then, you know, if you flip to the the New Testament in Matthew 
29.6, where Jesus, you know, is, is looking at the disciples and, and the people who are gathered, and he says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, yeah. all things are possible. He doesn't say some things are possible. It says all things. It's a promise. Right. Right. Absol- all things. Absolutely. And that's for all the things that our listeners are going through today. So you had two years, Melissa, and it was. It seems like you all did a lot of fun things. You went on your Make-A-Wish <laughs> trip. You served at yes. your church. I mean, wasn't that just a reprieve of just happiness for you? I hear just the giggle you just did. Just, <laughs> yeah. It took you back to a special place. Yeah. It was. It was, honestly, I had never felt so close to the Lord. I had just decided that no matter what, and I had prayed this prayer um, as Ava was going into transplant, that no matter what, Lord, no matter what happens today, tomorrow, or five years from now, um, I will never turn my back on you. I know you. You know me. And I love you. And and that's where we were. It was a really just, it was a good time. It was a good place. We did, we had an amazing adventures. Make-A-Wish was incredible. And um, we had some inc- wonderful memories during yeah. that time. Uh, it makes me think of the scripture about, you know, with, with the boys, uh, um, three Hebrew boys that were getting ready to be thrown in the fire. And they said, you know, they declared to the king, oh, our yeah. God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to you. We will still serve him. And that was kind of like your declaration. You had you yes. said, I, I was reading about it, that you said before your family and your friends and your church that you committed to God that no matter, no matter the outcome, today or in the future, that you would always honor and praise the name of Jesus and that you would always do that. That was a strong declaration for you to do in the midst of the fire that you were walking in. And, uh, and I just honor you for that so okay so um melissa so you had your two years and you're having uh it it seemed probably life seemed a little bit normal but then february 18th uh came february 18th of 2015 um your brother's birthday what happened Mm -hmm. we got the news that ava had relapsed for a third time and this time she had a very large leukemic tumor in her brain and um, it also it looked like roots. If you looked at her MRI, it looked like little fingers of leukemia reaching throughout her entire brain. And her bone marrow and spinal cord were also full of leukemia. Mm. And uh, she was given weeks, maybe months to live. And um, we put her on hospice care. And for the first time, I had to sign paperwork that asked if I wanted to um, allow DNR, which is do not resuscitate. And I remember looking at that and thinking, Lord, how is this possible that I'm sitting here with paperwork in front of me and it's asking me if I want to sign, you know, the statement do not resuscitate. And I, I remember looking at the hospice social worker and thinking, I can't answer that right now because I'm not willing to sign my name and say, do not resuscitate because my daughter is alive. And I just, I couldn't mm. sign that paperwork. Mm. Well, that wasn't the end of the story. Hospice, that, no. that, that timing wasn't the end. And we're going to, and so for our listeners, I want you to, to know that this is not the end of the story, that there are more prayers to be heard and answered. So we're going to take a 30-second break, and when we come back, we're going to continue with this uh, emotional 
inspirational journey uh, of Ava Daniels, and we're going to complete this through through the eyes and the ears and the hands of uh, Melissa. She talks about how God walked through this fire with her. So, listeners, we'll be right back in 30 seconds. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org slash caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee, Conversations of Friends of Faith to Encourage and Equip. I'm Kim Crable, your host. Before we get back to this incredible interview that we're having with Melissa Daniels from Baltimore, Maryland today, I'd like to remind you a little bit about our ministry and invite you to become a part of what we do. You can go to kimcrable.org. Kim Crable, C-R-A-B-I-L-L.org, and you can find out there the ways that we do uh, have gatherings for women, men, such as uh, the incredible Melissa that I'm talking to today, where we can discover the power of our stories, that we can learn how to use our words to encourage one another so that we do fulfill the calling that God has on our lives. One of the things that we talk about many, many times is that being right in the middle of God's will is not always a warm and fuzzy place. It's not always the place that we would choose, but it's always the place where God meets us. So we would love for you to be a part of that. And thank you so much for supporting Up To Me Radio. What an incredible platform um, our uh, executive director, Melissa Davis, gives us to be able to broadcast uh, platforms such as this. So keep Up To Me Radio in your prayers and visit us at kimcrable.org. All right. Well, let's get back. Melissa, I want to thank you again uh, with my whole heart for joining us today. Um, how do you feel? How do you feel going back and, and talking about this story? What what does this do to your insides? Um, well, let's say this. I had uh, a good two bouts of tears this morning. Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's pain yeah. every day. Um, but yeah. there's also comfort because I know where my daughter is. Yeah. Mm. Boy, thank, and thank, thank the name of Jesus for that. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know if way. I could stand. Yes, absolutely. I don't know that I would be standing. I don't know that I could even get out of bed. Um, if I didn't know that Ava was alive and healthy and in the presence of Jesus right now. Absolutely. And as you said before, more alive there than she ever was here. Um, yeah. I, I, I wrote that down. I thought, what a, what a yeah. beautiful way to describe your daughter's life. All right, friend. Well, we've gotten through to where uh, we've just had the third relapse. And now remind us again, at what age was Ava at this point? So that was, um, let me think back, 2015. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she was probably, um, I don't know, around 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, so you, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you go ahead. That during that time, well, you said during that time you were running and you, um, you saw in your mind this yes. picture of a celebration of life. What, what yes. was that about? That. Mm-hmm. So. 
I run. I'm not a runner. <laughs> I don't really <laughs> enjoy it. But uh-huh. for some reason, when I run, that is my time with God. And that's usually where he gives me things. He gives me things to yeah. write or he brings things to mind on how he's working. Um, and so I run because I, I like that. I just I want that time with him. And it was yeah. during one of my runs where I just kept seeing this celebration of life over and over in my mind. And I thought, okay, Lord, if you're going to take her home, then I'm going to make sure that there is beauty from ashes and I'm going to have the gospel message preached with an altar call because I want other people to know and have that same hope of having an eternal home in heaven because of Jesus and because of what he's done for us. Um, Mm. And so I kept seeing this vision and then Ava started getting better. And I was, Mm. I remember I was running and I was asking the Lord like, okay, so she's getting better. She's looking better. The doctors are astounded. Um, what's happening, God? And um, it turned out the cancer was completely gone. She went into a full remission. But I kept seeing this celebration of life. And then it was just like the Lord spoke to my heart real quietly one day. And he just said, why in death? Like, why in death are you waiting to celebrate eternal life? And so Mm -hmm. I just decided, okay, well, we're going to plan an outreach and we're going to try and tell other people about Jesus. And so that's what we started to do as a church. And what does that mean? What did you, what, how did that change so what you were doing? I, I reached out to um, Clayton Jennings, who I did not know at the time. And um, I didn't even ask my church permission at this point. I just decided I'd do it because I figured it would be a definite no. And um, he responded that he could come back. He's an evangelist. And that he could come to Maryland. And so I then approached the church and I started working with them. And I asked for another church to join me um, so we could have an outreach at a different location. And we did. And um, it was beautiful. And I was able to see hundreds of people either commit or rededicate their lives to Christ over that weekend. And we were just celebrating Ava's you know, that that the Lord had extended Ava's time with us. And we were trying to honor him um, by sharing that same hope of Jesus Christ with other people. Um, and so that was a beautiful moment. And But it still didn't look like what I had seen in my mind's eye. Um, and I wasn't sure, you know, why. But, but we went forward and we did it to honor God. Mm-hmm. Wow, what what an amazing time! And and so Ava was a part of this, and she was feeling pretty yeah. good at that point. Uh huh. She was. She took the stage with me. Um, we got on just for thirty seconds to introduce ourselves and to just point others to Jesus. You know that there is hope when things seem mm-hmm. hopeless, and you don't think mm-hmm. you can take like another step, and you're exhausted. There is hope in Jesus, and that He is there with you, mm-hmm. and He's able to do the impossible. Mm. But then August of 2016 comes, Melissa. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) And another relapse. And it was just, I knew it was coming. Um, So I'll just, I'll I'll just tell you this. The Lord had given me a dream years before. And basically I knew in that dream that I would not have my daughter for the lifetime that I wanted her. And so Mm. I hoped I was wrong. Sometimes you think maybe you're just a paranoid parent. Um, but I really yeah. felt that the Lord had given me that dream to prepare me years beforehand that my time with Ava was going to be short. And um, mm. and it was. And this fourth relapse was devastating. 
and uh, Ava was in a tremendous amount of pain at this point and was on a morphine pain pump, was put back on hospice care, and uh, I just remember crying out and saying, why, you know, why God, why, why is she suffering? And I was distraught, and I picked up my Bible, because that's the best thing to do when you are distraught is to go back into God's word. And as I sat down with my Bible in front of me, you know, God just spoke to my heart. Don't look at what it looks like. Don't focus on what it looks like. And so I just kind of held on to that promise. And I, I kept pushing through and praying and believing that God was with us and knowing that he was with us. Um, and she was able to receive T-cells and achieved a fifth remission. So that mm-hmm. gave us some more time with her. Wow. Uh, just the pain that, you know, and you said something that I really hope that every, every hurting heart, every devastating heart, and I know, I know that there are people listening to you, Melissa, who have lost their children, whether they're being yeah. children or adult children, they're in real, they're in severe pain. And I loved yeah. what you said that you would run to your Bible, you would dive into your Bible that you, you learned that God wasn't uh, condemning you. He was your great comforter. He was the one that you ran to to rescue. And I just pray that our listeners heard you say that um, because that's truly the story of what you did. So, um, so you went through this, and then, um, and then let's get to, sadly, our time. We have about 15 minutes left, so I want to get to yeah. m- m- much, much more that I want to get to, but you come to November 19th, 2018, final uh, leukemic relapse was confirmed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, again, I was completely crushed. And, and just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean that these things aren't devastating. And I think as a parent, there's no other, there's nothing worse in this life than watching your child suffer, whether it's with an illness or an addiction, or depression, um, when you can't fix it for your child, it hurts. And, um, yeah. and it was devastating. It was her fifth, her fifth relapse. And at this point, you know, that we were pretty much out of options. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we did move forward. We were able to get her into a sixth remission, we moved forward um, with a second transplant where her older brother, Nathan, was the donor. And, um, you know, we went into it fully expecting God to show up, or at least I did. I expected God yeah. to show up and show off in a big way. I just thought, you mm-hmm. know what, if the Lord brought her to a sixth remission, which was basically impossible, the doctors at Hopkins, I don't know that they had ever seen sixth remission with this type of relapse. And um, so I thought, she's a miracle. She's going to walk out of these hospital doors and be a living and breathing testament of God's glory and his miraculous healing. And let me tell you, that did not happen. Um, Those six months in the hospital is when I truly felt like we were in the fire. And I was clinging to God with all that I had, but I could not feel him. I couldn't sense him. I started to wonder if he had left us, and so did Ava. Um, We really started to question if he was even there with us or if he even cared anymore. It was a very, very tough time. It was almost like a desert season in my life. 
How did Ava question him? What, what uh, did she say? Yeah, uh, there was one one day where it was just a really bad day. And she was repeatedly asking me, Mom, pray over me. Mom, pray over me. Mom, pray over me. And then I was praying, and I think I was just saying the same words over and over at this point because I, I was out of prayers. I was out of words. Um, and Ava looked at me, and she just said, Mom, I need you to call Clayton. And that was our friend, the evangelist. She said, uh, God is not listening to our prayers anymore. And um, I know he can heal me, but he's not, and I'm disappointed in him. Mm -hmm. And as a mother, I was crushed, and I tried really hard not to let Ava see me cry, but I think I began to cry, and I didn't know what to say. So I just was honest with her and probably said the worst thing possible, but I said, Ava, I'm disappointed in God too because I know Mm -hmm. he can heal you. We've seen him do it before, but I don't know why he's not doing it now. Mm. And it was just a, it was a difficult moment. Yeah. How did you come out of that? Because you did. I did. We did. Um, of course, I went and I got my phone and I texted our friend Clayton and said, hey, Clayton, can you pray? And I told Ava, you know, okay, mommy texted Clayton. And then we just started praying some more. And I did explain to Ava um, she did also question if God was punishing her because she had wanted yeah. to get baptized. And um, at the time, we were going to a very large church. And it's when you're a child and you have to go in front of 2,000 people, it's scary. And so I explained yeah. that that is not God, that God loves her, yeah. and he is not punishing her. I didn't understand why he was allowing her to suffer, but I knew God was not punishing her because she didn't get baptized. Um, And so we just continued to pray through it. I told her God was not a genie in a bottle. He doesn't answer all of our prayers when we want him to, you know, you know, he doesn't answer them as we want him to. He's, he is God and we are not, and we don't get Mm. to see everything the way he does. Mm. And it goes back to that scripture you said that you use where it it is God's plan. Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has a plan. And unfortunately, so many times in in life, it doesn't go according to our plan, but ultimately we can see that there's a greater plan than what we think about. So Ava did come back to a strong relationship with the Lord, and we talked about some of her when when the pain uh, got really bad, and when she she got to the point that you you say that you that she God was preparing her uh, to yes. leave, and and you talked about some words. Um, that she said to you that frightened you. Um, would you tell, share that with us? So early on, um, very early on in transplant, you know, Ava had told me that she had had a dream and that God said he was going to take her home to heaven. But in this dream, she had told him, I'm not ready yet. And I was thankful when she told me that she said she wasn't ready yet. And so I just reaffirmed that. And I said, of course you're not ready yet. You know, we have so much to do and adventures with family and friends to take. And, you know, this is not your time, baby girl. You know, this is not your time. Um, But she continued to tell me as things got worse and worse that, you know, there was another day where her brother and his girlfriend and I were sitting on her bed. And she just said to me, out of the clear blue, we're talking and laughing. And she said, um, 
I'm going to be leaving soon. And fear struck my heart because of the way she said it. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, okay, let's try and be light about this. And so I jokingly said, okay, well, where do you think you're going to go, babe? And uh, she said, very straight, I'm going home to heaven. And Jesus is going to heal me the way he did with my friend Malky. And Malky was Ava's little cancer buddy. And these two little girls had relapsed over and over together. And I have memories of them sitting at the um, in the playroom together, sharing crayons and coloring, and they looked after one another. And um, so when Ava said that, fear struck my heart. Yes, I knew that Ava knew where she was going to go, but Ava was telling me things that I didn't want to hear. Yeah. Do they, do they bring you peace now? That, that brought you so much fear then. It, does it bring you peace yes. now? Absolutely, yeah. because what I couldn't see is sometimes when you're in the middle of something, you can't yeah. see clearly what's around you. Like, all you can see are yeah. the problems. And I couldn't see that God was working. And, you know, and here he was. He was working with my daughter, and he was showing her things so that she had no fear. She had no fear. Yeah. I mean, there was one day she woke up, and this was probably a month before she died, maybe three weeks. Um, and she said to me, Mom, I saw the God, and he is beautiful. Oh. And I failed in that moment because I didn't ask her what he looked like. I didn't want to hear mm-hmm. it. I didn't want her to die. I wanted more time with her. I wanted to bring her home. Um, but she had no fear. Like, she just mm-hmm. knew. Yeah. Well, God's grace um, had just penetrated her little heart and was preparing yeah. her, and it was it was um, abundantly flowing from her. It makes me think of that scripture, Second Corinthians twelve uh, nine. But it says, "But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you.'" And I think that that's what we saw in Ava. You know, the sufficiency of God's grace, and that He goes on to say, "My power is perfected in, in weakness." And uh, Paul says, "Therefore, I will boast." even the more gladly in my weaknesses so the power of Christ may rest on me. And I believe that's what you were seeing was that grace, God's grace was just surrounding her. Melissa, during this time of um, uh, this, did you, do you look back, we're going to get back to her final day, but do you ever look back and think, gosh, I miss a lot of time with my boys. Do you ever think, oh, I, oh. do you ever, does, does the enemy ever play on you like, oh, my gosh, I, I wasn't with my boys. I didn't do with my boys what I should have done. Absolutely. There's terrible um, regret. So my boys were from my first marriage, and my husband, my ex-husband and I shared custody of them. So, you know, as this first started, they were very young, and they were mm-hmm. already from a broken home. So they only spent half the time with me and then half the time with their father, and then you add their sister's cancer And those poor boys Mm -hmm. took a back seat. I mean, I was not able to attend baseball games and birthdays because I was in the hospital with Ava. And Ava was our sole focus. If Ava was having a good day, we went to the beach. And if Ava all of a sudden got sick, then we would have to turn, stop what we were doing, and go home. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and so, yeah, there is regret. There is regret. Well, I I assume that that being a mom, I assume that's the way it was. So I have something I want to read to you. If I can, I'm going to okay. try my best. Sure. Um, I, re- no. I reached out to you. I, I reached out to your boys. Uh, actually, my Did friend you? Jen, our friend. Yeah. And I asked oh. them. I, I we, we asked the question. 
what would you say you admired most about your mom during Ava's illness? Now, I'll send this to you, but I'm going to read this to you because the enemy can really play havoc on our minds. Um, so let me, this is, this is from your boys, from Nate and Rye. So my question was, what would you say you admired most about your mom during Ava's illness? And here's the answer. Honestly, we, we could live. Uh, we could list enough traits that would take up the entire segment of this radio show about what we admire about our mom. She is brave. She is fearless. She's educated, composed, and compassionate. You name it, mom resembles it. The quality that we always admired most about her was her selflessness. Mom may not have been able to make every sporting or school event or be around us as frequently as we knew she wanted to be, because of the time she had to spend in the hospital. But when mom was home, she'd wake up at 6 a.m. to make sure we had a warm breakfast before school, even if she was up with Ava most of the night before. Mom would pack our lunches every day. Yes, even in high school, our mom was persistent on packing lunches for us. Mom would give us any money she had so that we could treat ourselves to Starbucks or lunch with friends, even if it meant she wouldn't have a single dollar left for herself. Mom was our family, is our family's rock, throughout those 10 years that Ava was sick and always made sure that we knew the importance of being kind to others. We are very serious when we say Mom never asked for anything, even on her birthdays and holidays. She would simply ask us to spend time with our entire family, and for us to do something nice for someone else as a random act of kindness. Mom is truly the most selfless person we know. We love you, Mom, and we are so proud of you. Your boys, Nate and Rye. How about that? <laughs> well, I'm real thankful this is radio because I am crying big, fat, <laughs> ugly tears here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I feel like not only was that good for you, it's good for them to have that voice, and it's good for our listeners to hear that, you know what, we we think that everything has to be balanced and everything has to be shared evenly. Life will even itself out. And if you're with one child battling or if you're if you're with yourself battling, you know, it's it's all going to even out. You be where you are for where God needs you to be at the moment and he will take care of those around us. So I just wanted to alleviate some of the regret and some of the ways that maybe, you know, that that you were battling that because your boys, your family admire you and see the strength as well as the community did. I've had so many people uh, make comments to me since I posted this about the radio show, um, just, you know, their admiration for you and how your love story with the Lord grew through this. So let's go and finish this. Um, The day comes uh, where you know that Ava's healing is not going to come the way in which you had hoped it would be. So tell us about that. Um, A few days before Ava died, the one thing I want to say is she started to sing out. My mom and I were there um, over and over. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And um, my mom and I looked at her and we said, Ava, what are you ready for? And she never looked at us. She looked past us. And she just kept saying, I'm ready. I'm ready. And what we realized was the little girl who told God in her dream a few months before that she wasn't ready, 
She was talking to her Savior, saying, I'm ready. Um, And then the Saturday before she died, she had been on oxygen. We had almost lost her. Uh, But we had brought her back with some epinephrine and an oxygen mask. And we had family gathered over the weekend just around her bedside, loving on her. And uh, she requested that we remove the oxygen mask. And we didn't want to. We were concerned. Um, But we did because she was adamant she wanted to speak. And she couldn't talk with the mask on, so we removed it. And she talked just a little bit here and there. And um, at the end of the night, she motioned that she couldn't breathe and she needed her mask. And as the nurse went to get the respiratory therapist, um, you know, Ava looked at me and she just said, I love you. Set me free. Please set me free. And so that's when I knew that it was time just to let her go and that Jesus was calling her home. And so we, um, we allowed Jesus to set her free from the broken body that had kept her confined into a hospital bed. And, um, and we knew that once home, she would be able to go running into the arms of Jesus and she would never again grow tired. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful story. And, 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 and I know that it's important for you um, to take a moment for anyone who doesn't know this Jesus that you and Ava know. Yes. Um, yes. Would you take a moment and share that? I, yeah, I just, you know, I don't know who's listening today. I don't know where you are in life, um, but I know that life can be an just an, a tremendous struggle and that there is a lot of pain. And if you don't know Jesus, um, if you don't know that you could say those same words that Ava said and and say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I would just invite anyone who's listening and struggling um, to come before the Lord today just to surrender their lives and admit that they're a sinner in need of a Savior, that Jesus died for them. He loves them right where they are. It doesn't matter the mistakes they've made. It doesn't matter what they've done, the regret, the shame, that is all washed clean in his blood. And though right now, maybe they're facing something that's huge, it's a mountain, and there's no way they can do it on their own. I would just pray that any listener would turn to Jesus, surrender, and say, Lord, here I am. Take this broken heart, come into my life, and know that with him, not only are all things possible, but they'll never walk alone. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, Melissa, what a beautiful, absolutely incredible, inspirational uh, story of hope that Ava and you have given us and your boys have been a part of this. And so in memory of Ava, Sophia Daniels, who went home, went running, who finished her race, on uh, yeah. July 23rd of 2019, and now you say my the Lord has set my daughter free. In an instant, yeah. Ava is no longer confined to a hospital bed where her legs had grown weak to walk, let alone stand in that moment. My daughter was able to run into the arms of Jesus. And so that celebration of life that God has planted in your mind actually came yeah. to fruition, didn't it? 
It did. And honestly, it was by his grace and for his glory. I mean, he worked out all the details. And I just remember standing in the church that day as our friend Clayton gave the altar call. He preached the gospel message. And I watched as hundreds of people went forward to either rededicate their lives to Jesus or to commit their lives to Jesus for the very first time. And it was exactly as I had pictured and seen it in my mind's eye back in 2015. And the Lord had brought everything full circle, and he was working and weaving the entire time when I had no idea. He was there in, in our midst. Mm. All the time, walking through that fire with you, as you said. And uh, yes. what a beautiful story. You know what? We've got about uh, a 60 seconds left before we conclude here. Let me just ask you a really hard question. Uh, or maybe yeah. it's not hard. But if, what, would, what do you think right now, if Ava could just speak into this, what would Ava say to our listeners? I think she would tell you that Jesus is beautiful and heaven is real. You don't miss it for the world. I think she would tell you don't give up. Press on and know that, that Jesus is here. Amen. That is a beautiful way to end this show. Thank you, Melissa, so much for your strength and for your courage and for your compassion. And um, I continue, uh, I know that this story will continue, and you will be able to be a voice of uh, not only your hope but Ava's hope for many, many years to come. And that celebration of hope that started it's still going on. And just think, yes. she's in heaven celebrating this, this life, and you'll be able to join her soon. We'll be able to join her yes. in the celebration soon. What, what, a, yes. what a joy. What a, what a hope that we have, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Thank you, Kim, for having me and allowing me to share and making my boys a part of that. That was so much to me. Well, I hope that it did, and that was the intent. Um, to to soothe your heart as you spend so much of your life soothing others. So thank you, thank you so much, thank and friends uh, who have joined us. I want I know that you would. Um, I, I pray that you've been inspired by the story. I'm going to leave you with a scripture that we have heard all through this as Melissa's talk, and that is John 8:36. Ava's final words were um, that she loved me to set me free, and you know the Bible says in John 8:36. Um, those the sun sets free is free indeed. So be free, my friends, to go out and live the life that God has given you. Wherever you are, just be there and let God use you right where you are. Thank you again, Melissa, for joining us. Listeners, thank, thank you. you for joining us. Thank you for, um, for coming by to have a conversation uh, with friends of all faiths. And I pray that Melissa's story, and I know that it has, somehow encourage and equip you in your in your journey and this is kim crable and i just thank you so much for joining me and we'll see you next time on coffee goodbye everybody to learn more about kim's books teaching materials or to invite kim to speak at your event please visit kimcrable.com Thank you for joining us today. And remember, to learn more, please visit kimcrable.com.